Hey y'all, welcome back to New Slang. I'm music journalist Thomas Mooney, and this go-around, I'm joined by Ricky Young of The Wild Feathers. I've been a huge fan of The Wild Feathers since the first time I came across them several years back. They happened to be playing this really small dive bar in Lubbock, and the first few dates were a couple of solo dates, but they wound up opening for Paul Simon on this run. And I remember them having just a few songs that were live on YouTube and convincing a lot of my friends to go to that show. And really still one of the best shows I've ever seen in Lubbock. Since that first show, just kind of an instant fan. And anyway, they released this new compilation of songs back in late November called Medium Rarities. It's a really, really great set of B-sides and covers. They do Blue by the Jayhawks, Almost Cut My Hair by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and a criminally underrated and really like an unassuming rendition of Guitar Man by Bread. This one right here with Ricky was a great conversation about putting medium rarities together and how that's really a nice reflection of this past decade of the band. Today's presenting partner is our pals over at Desert Door Texas Soto. If you're asking yourself what exactly Desert Door or a Soto is, well, it's a premium, high-quality spirit that is similar to a tequila or a mezcal, but in my estimation, it's more refined, smooth, and fragrant. It has a distinct and intriguing palate that picks up on hints of vanilla and citrus while maintaining a healthy earthiness that is quite enjoyable. One of my favorite features about Desert Door is just how versatile it really is. If you want to feel fancy and a little highbrow, it's perfect for a variety of cocktails that call for lime wedges and coarse salt, chopped ginger, agave nectar, sprigs of thyme and sticks of cinnamon. If you're down to muddle some fresh fruit, all that kind of stuff, it's perfect. It's great for experimentation and fine-tuning all of your mixologist skills. And then also, if you're a little bit more down home and casual, you got that denim jacket on. It's just perfect for those short and sweet, simple go-to favorites that hit the mark every time. I'm talking about ranch waters and Moscow mules and Palomas and and Mexican Coca-Cola with Desert Door. What I love so much about Desert Door is just how genuine and authentically West Texan they are as well. They go out and harvest soto plants out in the wild, and are aware and knowledgeable conservationists at heart. So next time you're at your neighborhood liquor store, get yourself a bottle of Desert Door. I'll throw a link into the show notes for more information. Before we get started, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't just yet. If you're on iTunes, leave a five-star review as well. Be sure to check out the merch store. We have new coffee mugs, t-shirts, and shot glasses. Go get yourself one. Check out the Patreon as well. It's a great way to support this podcast and journalism in general. And it's a great way to get ad-free episodes, merch, and much more. All right, let's get on to it. Here is Ricky Young of the Wild Feathers. So, I don't know if you remember me, but you guys played here in Lubbock probably... Oh, I don't know, like almost 10 years ago now, uh, this little small dive bar. You guys were uh-huh. about to be like playing an opening up with Paul Simon. I remember that. And um, Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy in my opinion because it's like, I remember seeing you guys playing this little small dive bar in like the, the depot area. You guys were going to be going on tour with Paul Simon soon after that. 
Um, uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, seeing you guys uh, kind of like your career develop, you know, releasing these records. And, right. Um, I, I just got to say, like, it's it's been in this weird way, like, in, in this fun way, um, you know, just kind of seeing from afar, like, the development of this career has been really, really cool and seeing the records y'all have made and, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's been really cool seeing that. Well, cool, man. I appreciate it. And I think I do remember. Um, that was so long ago, and probably like eight thousand shows ago. But I think I do remember. I definitely remember the name New Slang. So that I think that's tied in somehow. You know, on how I remember. Um, but yeah, that's been it's been a long time. Seems like it's flown by, and also seems like it's been twice as long. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things, right? It's like, because uh, for me too, I'm like, it can't be a decade ago, but also at the same time, I'm trying to like remember all the details of it. And uh, yeah, it's just, um, again, it's been really, really cool seeing like, uh, especially whenever you guys got that first record out. I remember you guys had a couple of, uh, you guys were selling like an EP at the time and I still have that copy of that EP and yeah you know and then of course like seeing that developing bud into this uh full-length debut record and just like um obviously you guys have released more records since then and everything and uh Uh you know i want to start i I guess like i want to talk about this new one this uh collections of like b-sides and rarities and um sure you know Obviously, that first song on there is Blue, which is that Jayhawks cover. And I remember you guys putting that out uh-huh. back in the day. And, um, you know, it's this collection of B-sides and a couple of new songs and stuff. And I'm sure, like, that's something uh-huh. that you guys had and a general idea of, like, hey, I, we, we want to do something like this at some point. But, um, you know, I, I'm guessing that kind of went on the, the front burner, if you will, with this just this past year. Is that is that kind of the case? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we really were wanting to get in and make a new record, and the three new songs on there were the beginning of what we were going to do, you know. Um, and then, you know, the the pandemic hit and all that, so everyone's freaking out, and, you know, everything shut down, obviously. And... You know, we just completely stopped working. Um, you know, and we had all kinds of tours booked, all kinds of stuff booked uh, for last year. And then all of a sudden, it's just your hands are tied and you can't do anything. So we decided, uh, we always have just, a, just a, a ton of songs sitting around because for better or for worse, you know, we write a lot, so not every record can have 50 songs on it. Um, so there's a lot of songs that kind of fall through the cracks, uh, you know, because they might just not fit with, you know, like the sequencing might not, you know, make sense. There might be too similar of a vibe for some stuff, you know, so c- certain songs just don't make the cut. Um so, but we've always had them, 
you know, our hard drives and saved and stored away. So we started kind of talking about putting together something uh, to put out since we couldn't really get in a studio and work. We thought, why not just put together something that we've already recorded, add it to the new songs and have like a B-Sides and Rarities thing. Um, and everyone was on board. And it's kind of something that we've always really wanted to do because, you know, we're one of those bands that wants to have um, everything checked off the list. You know, live albums, you know, box sets, uh, rarities, the double out, you know, all those things that people like as music fans, especially if you're a big fan of it, uh, one band in particular, you want to try to grab up um, everything you can get your hands on. And we've always said since day one, we wanted to do that half jokingly, half serious. Like we want to have a complete catalog um, out there for our fans to have. So we thought, hell, let's just check it off the list. That's one more thing. Um, one less thing, you know, to have to worry about doing. Um, and then two, you know, that was only what, how many songs are on there? 10, 11, I don't know. Um, but there's plenty of other songs and we've written a ton since, you know, and you can't say that every song is going to make it on a record. So, you know, there'll probably be more volumes and different releases of stuff like that too, which is fun for us. And I think fans like it too, you know what I mean? Because some songs that we think might not be that great, you know, our fans are like, I cannot believe you didn't put this out. This is my favorite song ever. Or, you know what I mean? My favorite Wild Feather song ever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just something that we wanted to do and we did it. And, uh, the response has been great and um, we're super proud of it. So on to the next thing. Yeah. I mean, I've always, I, I think like, like most people, I love the full length record. I love that studio record as far as when a band um, makes that record where the songs fit a, a theme, right. And all that kind of stuff and a time and a period. But there's something really, really cool. And, very fun about when a band does something like this in that B-sides and rarities and covers or any kind of collection like that, where it's kind of a, a more loose and general kind of um, thing. I, I think that like, as you said, like fans love that. I, I think it like, it kind of shows a little bit more of a, maybe like a, a personality of an era, you know? Cause like this, this kind uh -huh. of, as, as you kind of put it like it does cover this past like decade of the band this or the first decade really of the band right. is because you know there's right. that uh jayhawks cover and then uh three new songs that that you guys had put on here as well and so it, it kind of like captures the first decade of the band too right exactly i mean it's 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 kind of like closing the door on one chapter and cracking the door into a new one, um, which we, you know, we've, we've hit full speed, you know, since we finished that project. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, looking back on that time, that was great. And now we're moving forward and 
some other stuff, you know, that we're really excited about. Yeah. Well, like, you, you know, you mentioned how, like, a lot of bands, you know, just plans got put on hold, thrown out the window this past year. And I, I found a lot of, um, I found it really interesting talking with a lot of different artists this past year as far as what they've done to fill that time because it's one of those things where a lot of them have spoken to me at least about how, you know, especially early on, it was, it can be difficult to, um, to, to, to just like, Oh, I'm going to write a record because it, it's this weird block of time. And it's this weird point in our lives where, right. you know, I don't know, like it's putting that kind of pressure on, uh, because like you don't, there's so much like up in the air. It felt like we're all in this limbo. Cause you know, I think a lot of people were optimistic pretty early on thinking, well, you know, we're just going to start, we're just going to push things back to the summer. We're going to push them off six weeks and see what the climate is at that point. And then of course, like right. at some point we realized, you know, it, that's just undoable for, for us. Um, now, like I know, like you as a songwriter, you're you're constantly kind of always been writing, and um, you know you have a lot of other cuts outside of the Wild Feathers and working with different uh-huh. songwriters and stuff. But how, how was it for you? This just specifically you've like this past year as far as that creative outlet, and were you have you still been able to? get a lot of the the songwriting part done or or have you been have you had a pivot to find other creative outlets to to uh to go towards yeah um well you know it's been pretty rough um at first the longest time i have a my daughter's almost four uh and my wife um was having to work from home and all the schools were shut down. Um, and at the beginning of the year, we had cut ties with a lot of different people, like with Warner Brothers, with our booking agency, our management. It was kind of like this uncertain kind of time. Uh, but also a kind of exciting time because, you know, we knew we were on the brink of something new and different and it was kind of exciting. Um, so we had some stuff booked and, you know, we're looking forward to the future and, and then the pandemic um, hit. So, you know, it went from all this excitement and looking forward to something to nothing at all. So that was pretty rough. And then I've been trying to be creative, you know, when you're having to entertain a three-year-old and, you know, your spouse is also trying to get her job done. And, you know, you're kind of, it's like you can go, especially in in the thick of it, it's like you can go, you know, to the mall or, you know, you can't really just go over to a friend's house or do any other things that you would normally do with kids. So you're just kind of stuck there. Uh, and that was, you know, pretty frustrating. But I still got some writing done, whether it be late at night or early in the morning or whatever, usually earlier in the morning. But um, 
yeah, I still somehow managed to write quite, quite a bit. Um, but since my daughter's back in school, she hasn't been this week, obviously, with all the weather, but um, she, um, she's she been back. Her school's really great. They, they go above and beyond to take care of, like, everything. They take it very seriously, you know, with the virus and all that. So they've had no incidents uh, or cases or anything. Uh, so we feel really great about that. And that's kind of freed up a lot more time um, to get work done, et cetera. So it's kind of been, you know, back and forth, you know, trying to manage and organize time to be creative and also take care of your family and take care of your own mental health because it can be so frustrating. Um and I'm not the only one with kids. There's two other guys in the band that have kids roughly the same age. So that we've all been dealing with it. Um, and also, too, we've, we've, the band gets along so well, thank God, um, that that's kind of become our bubble. You know, um, all the wives are really close, and we hang out a lot pre-virus. So we've kind of kept it tight knit and not a whole lot of outside people, you know, coming into the bubble. So we've all been safe and, and healthy. Um, but, you know, it has been a challenge to say the least. Um, but, you know, we, we, we're, get, we're getting through it and uh, I feel good about this year. You know, we have, um, a bunch of stuff planned for this year. Um, and God willing, it's all gonna, you know, keep moving forward. So who knows? This episode of New Slang is brought to you by Hot Damn Coffee. Rolling in from the hills of eastern Tennessee is Hot Damn Coffee. It's a down home company that roasts single origin, high quality coffees from around the world. Their year-round roasts come from certified farms in Ethiopia, Tanzania, and Nicaragua. Check out the Hot Dam website over at hotdam.coffee. There you can find more info on their operation and roasting process and some helpful tips on how to brew the best cup of coffee. They've certainly made my mornings that much better. And to be perfectly honest, I enjoy a nice cup of coffee at all hours of the day. Some of my favorites have been the Tanzanian Peaberry in medium roast, and the medium roast of Nicaraguan with the honey process. While there, check out their Hot Damn Coffee Club, which is a monthly subscription service. With the holiday season coming upon us, it's just really kind of the perfect gift. I don't care how difficult or easy a person is to shop for, they'll always be good with items like high quality coffee. And of course, right now, if you throw in the promo code SLANG in all caps, that's S-L-A-N-G, you'll get 20% off your order. And if you're signing up for the Coffee Club subscription service, they'll take 20% off that first month and also throw in a bonus 8-ounce bag of their Nicaraguan coffee. Again, that's slang in all caps. Head over to hotdam.coffee and sign up today. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, like that's something that I don't think um, I really thought about early on until someone mentioned it. And that was the, yeah, you're stuck at home, of course, but a lot of times spouses are, of course, and they're working from home. And if you have kids and it's all of a sudden 
maybe if you had like, um, you were comfortable writing at home because, uh, you had that space because maybe like your, your spouse is out working and kids are in school and stuff like that. You had like that time and that space. And then all of a sudden when they're put in that space too, um, you're having to like reshift and reorganize and, and make, um, you got to be like understanding of boundaries and stuff. And, and that like these people have to, they're, they're not in their normal part either, but like the, the, obviously they're, uh, there's a lot more dynamics and a lot more like, I guess, juggling of, of figuring out how all that can work and needs to work. Then, uh, then I think a lot of people maybe, like I said, like even myself, I didn't really necessarily think about that until someone mentioned it and how, they were trying to figure out how to, I guess like not necessarily um, shut off like in front of their, their spouse, you know what I mean? Or like be rude, you know, cause you want right. to be present yeah. in, in those people's lives as well while also maintaining that creative. Um, yeah, exactly. Space. Yeah. For, you know, fortunately we still have young, young kids. So, you know, you're their best friend. they're not complaining about like, Oh, I can't go do this. They're too young to really understand the whole thing. Um, I really feel for like high school age and like junior high age kids that, you know, are very social and, you know, with like life events that they're been missing out on, you know, that's just gotta be tough. So tough on the kids, especially on the parents to have to watch them struggle with that and, and keep it all together. So I'm ready. I'm ready for this shit to be over with, man. No doubt about it. Yeah. Like that's like, that's another thing where I'm such a, I've mentioned this before on on the podcast and I know like a listeners are going to go, okay, you've mentioned this a thousand times, but you know, I have one little brother who's 14 years younger than me. So we're, we're kind of like raised as like, uh, as like solo kids anyways. So, I, I right. felt like I've been kind of equipped and been okay to handle like something like this, the, the isolation. But what became super apparent was um, seeing friends or family post on Facebook or on Twitter and realize like, oh man, they really do need a whole lot of that social interaction. And it doesn't necessarily mean that like they're being selfish or anything like that. Like they're they're struggling because they, they kind of feed off of even just the, the strangers that they meet, you know, and right. You know, it's been, it's been difficult for a lot of people out here. Yep. For sure. For sure. What, what, what's it been like? Have you partaken in any of these, like, you know, zoom co rides or anything like that? Have you gone down that route? I haven't yet. I'm not opposed to it. Um, you know, but it's still kind of tough, you know, cause writing a song with a stranger or with someone, you know, or whatever on a computer and you're stuck at home with kids. It's just kind of like, it's almost impossible. You know what I mean? Um, so I haven't went down that road yet. I'm sure that's going to kind of stick around for a while. Um, so I'm sure the time will come when, you know, 
an opportunity like that will arise again. And, you know, I'm, I'm willing to try it out. I, I can't imagine it being awesome, but, you know, you got to kind of roll with the punches a little bit and, you know, adapt. Um, so, yeah, you know, we don't really do a ton of outside writing anyways. I mean, I will, um, Joel will, um, but it's not something that we like do a ton of. So that really hasn't been that much of an issue. Um, but, you know, we spend a lot of time when we can, when kids are in school and all that, you know, Joel has a studio over at his house and we'll go work over there. And that's kind of the way it's always been. So that really hasn't, you know, affected us all that much as far as the creative process, as long as we can find the time, you know, yeah, the, the the Zoom part, like the or these, like I guess, uh, socially distanced co-writing things. I've heard a lot of people who have ups and downs with with them. As far as you know, the it feels like anytime you throw anything technology wise in, like you're just like it's just one more thing you gotta have to worry about, and like the the maybe like the lag of time and stuff because you're not, you're clearly not in the same room. So like, you can't necessarily, um, be playing like guitar together or something, you know what I mean? Or like right. harmonizing over, I mean, I, you can, but like, there's still the, uh, typically there's a little bit of lag. It's just different. But of course I've heard other people talk about how, you know, it, it's opened up opportunities that they didn't necessarily think they would have unless, um, unless we did come in, come into these times just because of distance and, and stuff like that. But, um, right. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of benefits from it too. I mean, you know, if I go into town or go somewhere to write, you know, you're commuting, you're going out, that takes up a big part portion of your day too. So, just being able to, you know, flip open your laptop, or whatever, and, and work. I mean, it might be it might be something that I enjoy. I don't know. I I can't picture me loving it, but who knows? You know. Yeah. No. I no, I think like there's like anything like it, there's benefits and there's uh, things that make it just kind of weird and awkward and and like anything else too. Probably the more you do it. Uh, the better you get at it. And then like, you know, if you're doing it with people, you, you know, that's probably the biggest thing too, you know, is, is having that comfortability that already established relationship. So, yeah. Right. Like if, like if your kid is just being a disaster, you can be like, dude, I'm sorry. We have to do this shit another time. You know, it's always easier when you're, when you're friends with someone because they get it, you know, Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've always appreciated about y'all sound is just how it, it, it's always felt like it's really organic and you've already mentioned how great, like you guys get along. I, I feel like that's always uh-huh. been one of those things that you can actually feel on the record. Um, when you're listening to yeah. you guys play, like you can just feel there's like that organic 
and genuine, you know, relationships between the three of y'all or the five of y'all really, but, you know, specifically the, the three of y'all that are, are singing and harmonizing together. Um, right. You know, that, right. that clearly doesn't happen like overnight, but like how, how does, you know, at what point did you guys kind of realize you, y'all three had these voices that just were distinct enough um, and yet like came, could come together and, you know, just become something new and fresh? Um, I don't know. But I know that like as far as like friendship and like a brotherhood was instantaneous, you know, um, and I guess we were just kind of willing and prepared to do it anyways, you know, whether or not it worked. <laughs> so um, fortunately, you know, people seem to enjoy it. We, um, we are very fortunate. Like we talk about it all the time, um, how fortunate we are to have the camaraderie and the brotherhood that we do. And it really, it puzzles us because I just don't understand how bands do it that are just miserable and they just hate each other. I just don't understand it. Like, I can't imagine you're closer to your bandmates than you are to your spouses. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like for better or for worse. And I just can't imagine being stuck in a van or a bus or always traveling. Cause that's 98% of it is traveling together. And like, you know, you can't stand the way someone eats or talks or how they walk or what they listen to. And like, we're just very, very lucky that we're all just different enough from each other and also very much alike. Um, yeah, so we're just very, very fortunate. And it's like our wives for the longest time, you know, back before we were all married, but we were all still, you know, dating who we ended up marrying. They're like, y'all just were on the road for a month straight in a van and you're going to go hang out tonight? you just got home yesterday. And it's like, well, I mean, after a while you turn into this thing where it's like, they're the only people you're completely comfortable around. Um, and they get you and you have this different language you speak and you completely understand each other. And yeah, I mean, you need, especially when families come into the picture, you need your time. And it's not because we can't stand each other it's because it's nice to kind of take a break and step back and uh and then come back and be excited and feeling refreshed you know um so yeah we you know we really truly really like each other it's 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 strange but we're not complaining you know yeah yeah and it's also not like uh uh, it's one of those things where uh, when you guys are riding around in five tour buses, maybe that's like whenever <laughs> you know there's a problem. This episode of New Slang is brought to you by the Blue Light Live here in Lubbock, Texas. Blue Light has undoubtedly been my home away from home over the years and has played such a vital role, not only for my development as a journalist, but obviously it's been one of the foundational pieces for a lot of your favorite songwriters and bands who have made it out of the Lubbock area over the years. 
And of course, as a music venue, they've played such a pivotal role for a lot of your favorite bands just in general. One of my favorite parts about Blue Light is just how versatile the place can truly be. I've seen it crowded and rowdy on a Saturday night for a rock and roll band, and I've seen it dead still on a Wednesday when a legendary singer-songwriter rolls through town. What you should do is go over to bluelightlubbock.com and check out all the new merch they've added. Hats, t-shirts, both short and long sleeve. They also have hoodies and koozies and just added some sweatshirts that are very much an homage to the college sweatshirt that John Belushi wore in Animal House. And then of course, maybe the crown jewel of their new merch is the Varsity Club style jacket in blue satin. I got one the other day and yeah it's just one of my favorite things i own now and yeah i don't know i just love it anyway you can check out all of their new merch over at bluelightlubbock.com as always i'll throw a link into the show notes for easy access okay let's get back to the show yeah or or like or like you know international flights and you, you know everyone's you know, hung over from the night before and, you know, you have to take a cab to the airport in New York city and it takes like eight hours and then you have to fly and, you know, people, you see, you see the, the best and the worst in people in those kind of situations, but we always, you know, find a way somehow to make the best of it and have fun with it because, you know, that is the work part. Uh, and we've all had shittier jobs, you know, and we don't want to go back to them. Um, you know, this is the best job we've ever had. So, you know, we try to have a good attitude and, and be honest and upfront with each other and just make the best of it. And, you know, so far it's really worked out for us. Yeah. You know, one of the things that has always interested me in when it comes to a band like y'all where it's not just, you know, one person writing the songs. It's not a solo act, if you will. It's not Ricky Young and the Wild Feathers or something like that, where you have all these different voices and um, opinions on a record, and you want to make these records where they they fit like a, like, you know, if if we're talking about 10, 11 puzzle pieces, you want them to make that picture for the record. You know, you mentioned how, Obviously, you start out with a bunch of songs to begin with. And if you want, we can just use the last record as an example. Um, the, the 2018 uh, record, you know, um, the one. Greetings uh, from the Neon Yeah, Frontier. greetings. I was going to say welcome, but I knew it, was, it wasn't welcome. But, yeah, the Neon Frontier. Huh. Um, let's just use that as an example. What is it usually, what's the process of starting out with that, the chunk of songs and figuring out where those puzzle pieces fit and what, what's the, the, the general concept and what you guys want to accomplish sonically and everything like that. What, what's usually, what's the first thing that you guys kind of do to uh, get the ball rolling, set all that in motion? Well, you know, a new record is always looming, you know, it's always around the corner so it's always in the back of your mind. Um, so just being songwriters, you know, you're sitting around and you pick up a guitar. I'm not going to play, you know, left my woman or tall boots on guitar while I'm sitting around the house. I'm going to play something new and exciting and something that I haven't played 
four million times, you know. Um, so you start thinking about new ideas. You come up with different melodies, you know. You know, you might have a song title and you've been kind of kicking around that you want to finish. And so you're always kind of thinking about writing and you're always kind of writing. Um, the good thing about our situation is if, if any of us get stuck or, you know, like kind of hit a wall, we'll take it and there's always you know, a fresh set of ears and someone that has a different perspective that's very helpful. Um, so, you know, sometimes you just write a song by yourself and it happens really quickly and the guys love it. And even, and even if they do love it, you know, there's like, what if we did this here and this part and then we change this? And we're all very open-minded. It's not None of us are like, no, dude, this is the way it is. This is my song. We're very... Fortunately, thank God, we're very open-minded because, I mean, the old cliche is two heads are, you know, greater than one. So three or five, in that sense, is even better. Um, and if it, you just throw it at the wall, if it doesn't stick, it doesn't stick. Um, so, and that is the same for all of us. Like, Taylor will have something. I mean, there's a song... There's many songs, but one's coming to my mind right now um, that we just recorded. And he's had this, like, guitar riff forever. And we always knew we loved it. We always knew we had it in our back pocket. Um, and then one day, we just sat down and said, damn it, we're going to write this song. And so, so there it is. You know, we put it to bed, and it's there. Uh, something that wasn't there before is now done and finished and we have it now. Um, so things like that always kind of, it seems like it happens at the right time. They kind of pop their head up and, you know, we get a song out of it. Um, I mean, there's, there's ideas and stuff still floating around from five plus years ago um, that will probably more than likely be recorded at some point um, because until you really lay it down in the studio and, and release it, you know, it's, it's still a possibility. Um, but yeah, I mean, we all just kind of write on our own and write together. You know, a lot of times we'll meet up with the intention to write a song and no one has, someone might have a guitar part or something, but the idea is come up with something completely fresh and new. Um, and those are a lot of fun. And a lot of times we'll go rent like a cabin or a house somewhere to kind of get away from everyday distractions and um, do something like that. You know, we cook dinner every night. And, you know, if it's the summertime, we'll like fish in the morning or whatever and then start around noon or one and work till late at night. Um, We've done that for every record we've ever put out. We've always went to a cabin and finished ideas or wrote completely new ones. Um, it's just always been a really healthy way for us to be creative and get work done, like I said, without the distractions. Yeah. I always think that's really, really cool whenever 
a band or, or someone will do that where you can just step away and that's like the focus. It's the, it's the, what I, what I kind of envision is as you're finishing up some of those songs or if you're, you're even starting something and you have this idea, like it, it feels like it can be out in the air and it can marinate longer because you guys are all in that moment and where, you know, it may be something that you, you set down and start working on something else, but like it may be in the back of your, in one of y'all's heads or in all of y'all's heads. And it, it may come back up later where, uh, after giving a little bit of thought, maybe there, it sparks another idea or maybe it sparks, um, maybe something happens where you, you realize how to bring it full circle or, or whatever the case is, whatever it needs. Um, sometimes just having that space of, uh, around where I, I think a lot of times we think about you as a songwriter, writing the song is just you when you have the guitar in your hand or the pen in the paper. And a lot of times it's not necessarily that it's all the, the time beforehand when it's like up in your, when you've been thinking about it. Right. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by wild gallery based in Austin, Texas. Wild gallery is Austin's only art gallery featuring native American art. Head on over to wyld.gallery to see their vast array of traditional and contemporary art by Native American artists. Currently, they are a virtual gallery. You can still make appointments on their website if you're wanting to purchase a specific painting in person. But of course, the beauty of them being virtual is that you're able to see and buy from your home without trekking all the way to Austin. While Newsline definitely focuses on music, I always love speaking with songwriters about those other mediums that they explore. Often, that's through painting and drawing, the visual arts. And since I'm a West Texas native, I've long been drawn to the history, the stories, traditions, and heritage of Native Americans, especially those that were out here in the Western frontier. And that is what's so great about Wild Gallery. All of the artists featured are Native American, and they are telling stories about Native Americans. If you scroll through their collection, you'll see a wide range of styles as well. There's definitely some American West and some bold pop art. There's more of that traditional fine art like oil on canvas, as well as those that are influenced by Native American traditions. My parents, they always had paintings hanging around the house or their offices that were inspired by West Texas and Native Americans. And now I do as well, especially here in my office, which I'll let you guess where the latest print is from. As a journalist, I do feel like the most intimidating part is staring at a blank white page. And of course, you don't have to be a journalist to be staring at a white blank page. I know a lot of y'all do that. What I'm saying though is don't let your walls suffer from that same white blandness. Go visit Wild Gallery. I guarantee you, you will find something that moves you and that you'll want hanging in your home. Again, that's wild with a Y. Go visit wyld.gallery. Links will be in the show notes as well. Okay, let's get back to the episode. What's What's been like the, has there been, you mentioned like there's some stuff that's been around, you know, five, six years that you just, that may eventually get recorded, but What's, what's, is there any examples you have like off the top of your head that you just 
kind of for you personally, you've been an idea that that just kind of was around for a while. And then it took a minute before you were able to, you know, wrangle it in and, and get it put to paper and, uh, something that ended up being recorded. Yeah. Well, you know, in December of last year, we rented a cabin, um, about an hour or so outside of Nashville. Um, and it was in the middle of nowhere. I was like on 200 some acres and had like a, you know, like a small little Creek running through it. And, um, we went out there with the intention to write, well, not write. We'd already written everything, but we wanted to record an album ourselves. And at worst case scenario, you know, they're just really, really great demos. So we brought out two of our sound engineers that we take on the road with us to kind of man, man the board and do all that. And, um, we set up, set up and did, you know, 14 songs in, in four days. Uh, it had an absolute blast. Um, but one of those songs, um, is the song I was talking about earlier that Taylor had this guitar riff and, um, we decided we're just going to go write it. So he had it forever and we went and wrote it. And, um, it's kind of, it's funny cause like, it's like the standout new song that everyone's kind of, you know, within our, in our little world, all of our people on our team, you know, it's kind of everyone's favorite. And it's just kind of, it, it goes to show that if there's a little bit of spark or something that feels magical, you know, to give it a shot because you never really know. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the one song that comes to mind is, is that one. It's called ain't looking. And it's just like a barn burner of a tune with this like raunchy riff on top. And, you know, who would have known who would have thought and, uh, until we tried it, you know, and it's just stuff like that happening all the time. Cause like we said, there's multiple people, you know, just because say Brett and Ben don't write songs. Well, Ben is a huge music fan and he's a great drummer. So we talk about music a lot and we listen to a lot of music together, especially on the road. Um, and he'll apply some of the stuff that he's been thinking about in the drum world, you know, that will spark another, you know, place of interest that creates another idea. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great thing with five people, um, that, you know, love creating together and working together. Um, because, you know, I can have a little, like, uh, let's see on the second record, um, long as a lifetime, the song called sleepers, uh, that I wrote, and I loved it, but it was just kind of like a, really, it was just kind of like a folk song. Um, but I knew it had this kind of dreamy thing to it. And we thought it'd be fun to kind of mess with like, kind of like more of a drone, you know, ethereal kind of feel, you know, and Ben and, and, and everybody was, um, really into that and then it, the song went from something that I was kind of playing on my, I wrote on my back porch you know one sunny afternoon 
into this like dark kind of mysterious like dreamy shoegaze alternative rock song um and that's something that you can only do when you're in a band i think you know what i mean you can always take a a song into a studio with a bunch of studio musicians and you can and you can accomplish it um but nothing quite like taking it to your buddy and being like, hey, man, what do you think about this? And everyone's like, oh, dude, that's cool, and I can do this, and I can do this, and then what if it goes here, and then it goes there? And then, you know, the work part's over. Then, it's, then it just becomes fun, and you're, um, then you got, you know, there's a song laid down. Um, so, yeah, that kind of stuff's really exciting. Yeah, it must be super exciting as well getting out there and you know a little bit of that challenge of hey let's do a record ourselves you, you guys have clearly worked with some really great producers you know jay yeah. joyce and um but there's a little bit there has to be a little bit of that challenge of like well you know we, we want to let's try and do this ourselves and as you mentioned you know if, if it doesn't work out you guys got some really great demos out of it you know yeah yeah, you know, and we've been making records for a very long time, even before The Feathers. You know, we were in other bands and doing other projects. You know, when you're around that environment for so long, now I'm not saying that you pick up and all the engine engineering skills. Um, I'm talking about, like, arranging and, and mm-hmm. visualizing and, and having ideas and, and, put, and bringing them to life. You know, I think we're really good at that individually, individually, and especially together. Um, Joel, you know, he has a studio at his house, and he's really, he's really talented with, you know, he's he's great Pro Tools, and you know, we can make super great sounding demos, and we have for years. Um, so late last year, we decided just to go spend a bunch of money on gear. Um, as opposed to spending a bunch of money on studio time or you know, a producer or whatever. Um, and we just paid our engineers, our our live sound guys to come out and kind of engineer the recordings and um, kind of do it that way. And we've, we've had a blast doing it. So then we've taken it back over to Joel's studio and we've, than um, doing overdubs and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, we're, t- we're totally capable. I mean, I think anyone is, as long as you have an idea and what you want it to do. Um, you know, the, the hardest part is, you know, the engineering side of it was, you know, just gear and stuff like that. That can be tricky. But, you know, when you're around it for so long, you kind of know how to do it after a while, I guess I should say. Yeah, like it's it's one of those things too where, you know, the the like understanding the space of a of a room, right, and like the mic placement and all that kind of stuff is like, right, you know, you kind of you want to lean on the the guys who know that kind of stuff, you know, and um, that's like that's that's an entirely that's something like I I have very little experience if if not even any experience but you know like you see and you hear and read about people who talk about that kind of stuff and yeah that's uh that's like we're you know lean on the the people who have like who went to school for that kind of stuff <laughs> that, i guess is what i'm right. saying 
But um, right, yeah. So you know, like the, the the last record, "Greetings from the Neon Frontier." I really loved like just the vibe of that record, and I loved like how mm-hmm. it felt very. You know, there was like these moments where it felt very, you know, like the California kind of laid backness of of um, something like every morning I quit drinking or or um, mm-hmm. like wildfire or like uh, I don't know. I I just love the, the the vibe of that record though. As far as it felt like you guys were working with a, um, in, in a lot of ways, I felt like you guys went further into some more of the atmospheric elements even. Um, yeah. What, what was that kind of like? What, how did you guys end up getting to that spot where it was like, was that, ever, is that ever like a, even a conversation or is that just something that, that happens? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because when you, when you decide to make a record, it's, you know, that kind of captures that period of time where everyone's heads at. Um, and we always seem to be listening to the same music or talking about the same things. And, um, again, I think it goes back to us being so close that we're always on the same page. Um, and we've always been all about using the studio as an instrument too. It's not, you know, it's not just a bunch of guys in there with lab coats and, you know, there's a lot of rules. I mean, so for us, especially working with a producer like Jay that has like this wonderland of a studio and endless possibilities, you know, we want to utilize those tools and, 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 um, and use them to our advantage. So, you know, sometimes that can get in the way. And I think it has in certain places, uh, just because you have the budget and the, gear and all that and all the time you need doesn't mean you should put you know like chimes on this part or just because you can doesn't mean you should put just stuff that's not important that just kind of you know it kind of like bottoms out the song sometimes they just need to be what the song is um so you know going into this new period you know doing it ourselves on this one you know we just didn't want to get in our own way and uh, and not saying that we're not experimenting and it's not there's not cool stuff you know it's not just song you know it doesn't sound like a dusty front porch with some banjos you know I mean like mm-hmm. we like that but we also like radiohead you know so we're always into the challenge um, of coming up with something new and interesting, but also very weary of, of, you know, getting in our own way and, and, and taking the richness and the pureness out of the song uh, just because you can. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. Like it's almost like I've seen, you've seen plenty of bands who have done this where you almost go a little too far sometimes. And then like you realize, where those moments are where you have to scale back and get back to that, that balance of, of being progressive and being going forward and trying and experimenting. But then as you said there, you know, staying true to the song too. And like what those original intentions right. were. Right. 
exactly. Yeah, you uh okay, so these these you know, these little uh riding retreats and these little uh renting the cabin thing. Um mm-hmm. so like what who who's like the best cook out out of the band when you guys go on these? Man, Taylor is a super talented, great cook. He, he, you know, he loves like Asian food and like he'll like whip up some crazy Asian cuisine or something. But usually at, you know, cabins, it's more like we'll do like tacos or steaks or stuff like that. A little easier um, stuff, you know, kind of like just a bunch of guys sitting around like mainly just focus around meat and maybe a vegetable. Um, but yeah, Taylor is by far, but everyone's really, really good too. I mean, Brett's a good cook. Joel's a good cook. Um, I, I like to think of myself as a good, I call it exterior cook where I like, I like to, you know, smoke barbecue and grill a lot. Um, but Taylor can really do some serious stuff, um, in the kitchen. Um, but yeah, it's always a blast. You know, we'll do like everyone kind of snacks on whatever throughout the day. And then, you know, we've been working for a good couple hours and then we'll just, you know, it's time to start working on dinner. So, you know, somebody be in the kitchen kind of prepping everything up and while some of us are still working and then, you know, it turns into dinner time and, you know, start drinking some and then uh, eat and then get back to work and then go into all hours of the night. It's just kind of our favorite thing to do and it's always worked for us. Um, so yeah, we really enjoy it. Yeah. it's I, I always love when those little, those kind of retreats right there where it's just like the the, the steak and potatoes, the, the meat, mm-hmm. the yeah, as you said, the one vegetable. I've always found like if you if you're trying to like make something really, really you know exquisite, uh, and you're renting one of those cabins, there's always like something missing in the kitchen that you yeah. needed, you know. And you got to keep it a little bit on the simple side of uh, exactly. the stuff that you know that they're gonna be able to you're able to prep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, it's been really, really great talking with you today. Um, yeah man you too um, we should do it again soon hopefully maybe closer to when the new record comes out okay that is it for this episode be sure to check out medium rarities by the wild feathers if you haven't just yet check out our pals over at desert door the blue light live wild gallery and hot damn coffee Be sure to stop on over at the merch store and the Patreon. Again, a great way to support this podcast. And yeah, I'll see y'all later this week for another episode.